Welcome to Because the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Erica. And I'm Allison. And before we start, be sure to follow us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or stream us on Spotify. If you're enjoying BC the Beatles, feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting photos, videos, more and from this episode and beyond. And you can also email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. Yes, and we're back after just a few weeks off. I just realized the other day that this month is our four-year anniversary of doing this podcast. We'll have to plan some big blowout for our fifth next year. Definitely. Maybe we can do, um, I don't know, a live listen of uh, the uh, Percy Thrillington album. <laughs> yeah, give, the people, give the people what they want, Erica. <laughs> It's clamoring for this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, well, it's, I can't believe it's been four years. It's insane. And our first episode is still like our most downloaded episode, which is only appropriate because Paul released Egypt station around that time. So we were sort of forced into starting this crazy little podcast that we've talked about for years. God damn you, Paul. He was doing something, forcing our hand. Yeah, I know curses. And now here we are still doing it. My God. Still doing it. And this this <laughs> week, we've got like a little grab bag of fun stuff. Allison went to a very special event this past month. We've got some emails. But first, we're going to discuss one of the biggest, vaguest news items that we've gotten about the Beatles. The weird, vague announcement from Peter Jackson that he's working on a new project with Paul and Ringo. What? Yeah, uh, that kind of made Twitter explode the other day, didn't it? It did. And he said, we're quoting here, I'm talking to the Beatles about another project, something very, very different than Get Back. We're seeing what the possibilities are, but it's another project with them. It's not really a documentary. That's all I can really say. So what could it be? I mean, you would imagine he discovered a bunch of footage, right? Like when he was doing this project. I don't think it could be much audio because he's a visual guy. His thing seems to be finding ways to recreate things using technology and editing techniques that weren't possible before. Oh, God. What if he does something really bad like... (laughs) I'm just, this is like where my mind is going. What if he does something like a yesterday type deal where he makes like old John that can play with like old Paul or like, I don't know, brings Uh. George back to life, like some creepy shit like that. I hope that's not it. Oh, my first thought actually was, please don't let it be like a hologram Elvis sort of thing, yeah. please. Oh, God, please don't let it be holograms. <laughs> what if it is? And we're, we're like complaining about it. <laughs> what if like it is? Well, then I'm never going to be able to sleep again. I'm going to have horrible nightmares every night about these things like coming to life and attacking the world. So please don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like there was a, what, Roy Orbison, right? It was like a hologram Roy Orbison was on tour. I think it might still be on tour. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. didn't see it, but that sounds really creepy. I think they've done it with Elvis and Frank Sinatra. I don't know. I hate, I hate that stuff. It's like, so I was weird. thinking Dwight Schrute saying that they should never have more than a six foot cord because then you can pull it out of the wall if they become sentient. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I just can't handle it. What I am hoping, though, is that maybe he's found pieces of things we've never seen before, like more 
Tavern Club footage or some Hamburg stuff mm-hmm. or unused scenes from a hard day's night. And he's able to like recreate frames in order to give us, you know, more of that, like a, an extended hard day's night or something like that, or an extended version of help. Yeah, that would be awesome. My mind goes to how the Beatles really wanted to do like a Lord of the Rings film, but I don't think they ever committed anything on film to that. Like they never did like a, a screen test or anything. Because that would be just too perfect for Mr. Jackson. Right? I mean, I that was my thought too. Maybe, you know, there's like some lost footage from the movies or something. Or if it's not a documentary, I don't know what it could be. If it's not a documentary and it's not a scary hologram thing, what could it be? <laughs> I don't know what it could be, but I'm excited. I think. I hope it's great. I hope it's not terrifying. That's all I can say about that. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's hope for the best. And if you guys have any guesses, like tweet us or whatever, we, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking about it, I'm sure until it's announced. So exactly, for sure. Moving on to something that really did happen. And that you were really there for. This is kind of the big thing that we need to talk about. It's happened a month ago. And we still haven't, we haven't talked about it with everybody. But Allison was at Ringo's birthday party and got really, really, really fucking close to Ringo. Oh, my God. Well, I, you know, I, I guess I could say I met Ringo, like, for a brief second. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We'll just we'll just chalk it up to that because I've never met Ringo. So um, we'll just say I have. Uh, yeah, so this – not quite a month ago, I guess, uh, July 7th, Ringo's birthday. I have only gone to one of his birthday things – uh, in LA once he used to do like a little event in front of Capitol where he'd set up a stage and do his peace and love bullshit at noon and there was cake I never got cake but I got one of his wristbands one year he always hands out these white wristbands that say like peace and love so this year and for the past couple of years I think since 2020 when his statue was put up in Beverly Hills Park and by the way I'd never been to the statue either so I was like you know what I'm going to go to his birthday thing this year. I've never seen the statue and I'll just see what it's like. If you guys aren't familiar, I'm sure you are. Cause Ringo, if there's one thing Ringo loves, it's his birthday. It's his GD birthday. He sure um, does. Sort of, like as soon as July starts, it's like, it's July 1st. So you know what that means? It's a week till my birthday. Like every day it's like two days till my birthday, like 36 hours till my birthday, like blah, blah, blah. It started a while back. So if you're not familiar with the whole Ringo's birthday thing, it started in 2008 and Ringo made some offhand comment. Somebody asked him what he wanted for his birthday and he just said something like he wanted everybody to say peace and love. Um, Incidentally, this was the same year as his infamous no more autographs. I'm saying it with peace and love video. So whatever. That's just just an observation. Yeah. Um, but some fans in Chicago decided that they would they would do this. And so they got together and they said peace and love for Ringo at, at 12 noon on his birthday. And this thing has just snowballed. It's spread through social media. Ringo himself has gotten involved and it's just getting bigger and bigger every year. This year, there were 26 separate celebrations worldwide, the biggest one being the one near the Ringo statue that Allison went to. And this year... It went into space, too. Uh, <laughs> Ringo, like, of course it fucking did. Yeah, he sang his uh, singles, uh, Let's Change the World, and his star song, 
to the International Space Station, where it orbited around the Earth that traveled through space. Um, right here on our planet, though, he was uh, in person, live, joined by members of his current all-star band, like uh, Edgar Winter, Colin Hay. He had his friends there. He had his wife there. Um, the Orbison children were there. A bunch of his other friends. And Allison also was there. Most importantly, me, obviously. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty cool to see everybody. Um, and before I start, I went live on our Instagram so you can see it all over there. There's a little group of us that were tuning in and watching it together, uh, over there, including our friend, Caitlin Larkin, who was my wing woman <laughs> on the Instagram live, helping me spot some of these people. We did spot Steve Lukather, who looked great after his COVID bout. So that was great. And Greg Bissonette was there. Uh, we spotted Henry Diltz, Jim Keltner, Richard Marks, uh, Ed Bagley Jr., which I was very excited about because of all the things he's ever done, I just still really love staying elsewhere because I'm very old. I'm like mm-hmm. secretly like <laughs> 92 years old. But yeah, so I yeah showed up at the, um, the statue a little bit early because I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, and it was really, really hot. It was very sunny. I got sunburnt and my arms are still peeling <laughs> the sunburn. Oof. I'm... I'm very pale, people. I was fortunate enough to get on the media line. So I got a little pass thing and and lined up with the photographers and chatted with a few people. And Ringo showed up just before, probably about 1130. So he was a little earlier than he was last year, as I was told. Weirdly, he didn't take pictures with the statue. I thought maybe he and Barbara would pop over there and and take some pics. But he sort of like, you know, just kind of moved down the media line and, um, and Barbara was beautiful. I actually saw her before I saw him because she was gorgeous. Um, mm. So, yeah, he uh, I was very you guys will think this is hilarious because of all the shit I talk about Ringo. But I was very excited and nervous. I was just like shaking <laughs> as Aww. he kind of approached me. I was I was very excited. It was really was cool. so close to you. Yeah, for a long time. Like he was very like within spitting distance. And I was just like, Oh, my God, I can't believe this. So, um, you know, he moved down the entire line. And I had my phone ready as you know, I was trying to think of a question to ask him. I was not prepared because I didn't know I was going to be on the media line, I would have come with more things to sort of say. But it, it said happened. He sort of like came past me. Um, I said, hi. He said hi to me. I said, happy birthday. And he sort of moved on. <laughs> but I did get it on, on camera. And I did not know I did until I got in my car afterwards, because I think I just blacked out, to be quite honest. Was he answering questions at that time? Or was he just kind of going down the line and saying hello? Yeah, he was answering questions. So he talked to there was a crew there from like CNN. And there was a crew there from AP. And um, I'm trying to think of the other media outlets I saw, but you know, a bunch of like local folks as well. And, um, you know, there was a reporter next to me from a, a magazine and a couple people down for me, there was a, um, a young man, I could say because I'm, you know, in my 30s. Uh, but this really cool kid who uh, has, a, I think he's like viral on TikTok. I, I'm so sorry. I sound ancient right now. I think he's a popular TikToker, um, but he's well, super nice, there, fellow kids. And um, I know, right, fellow young people. That's like totally <laughs> my life right now. Um, but you know, so he interviewed Ringo, and that's up on TikTok now. We'll we'll share it. I think it's also on Instagram. Um, his name is Liam McEwen. He is from New Zealand, and such a sweet kid. 
like love his work. He moved to LA to just basically do interviews with people. And he said that one of his goals moving to Hollywood was to interview Ringo. And so he did. Oh, and so that was really exciting. That. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really cute interview. Um, so he was standing, you know, two people down from me and it was just, yeah, it was really exciting to watch. Ringo seemed very happy. Of course, it was his favorite day of all the days. He looked great. He looked amazing, actually, I must say. And I know that there, there's been some talk about the hair. I think it's real from seeing it up close. I mean, I don't know, but I think it's real. I think it's real. Yeah, I, I did ask the opinion of some other people I was standing with, too, and they all thought it was real. So he's super duper tan, too. Just like crazy tan. Whatever Ringo's doing, he's doing it right. That's for sure. I think he's vegan. Is he vegan now? I think he's been vegan or macrobiotic, one of those, for a long time. And he has, of course, he's been sober since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, I know he's very into fitness, too. Like, he just keeps himself in great shape, which makes sense. I mean, he was so sick as a kid that, yeah. you know, it seems like it might make sense for him to really care about having that level of health. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, I was surprised. So uh, now I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. But um, so yeah, so he went down the media line, and then he sort of like, you know, ducked out to hang out with his party. So where I was, was sort of around the perimeter of his of the actual event. So they had like some seats set up and a tent and a uh, spread of food and there was a stage. So we were kind of like on the perimeter around that. Um, so he moved over to hang out with his peeps and he spent a long time just saying hi to everybody and, you know, hanging out. Um, you know, there were some performances from Linda Perry and um, a couple other people and they had this choir of cute kids come up that I think sang on um, Let's Change the World with him. I could not tell you, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it is all on our live. So uh, go check that because I got all the performances and all that. Um, but he was actually paying attention. He was really excited about the performances, standing there with Barbara watching them and, you know, interacting with the people on stage. And then as it got closer to noon, um, he was called up and with like 10 minutes to go or something. So, of course, he gets up there and it's like, oh, thanks for coming to my party, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> um, but that is only good for like, you know, 30 seconds. So <laughs> and it became like trying to run down the clock. Um, oh, God. And Ringo is not a great, I mean, you know, I, I think it would be hard. I, I, I couldn't do better trying to like fill the time but he had you know all of his pals come up and that's when i saw diane warren was on the stage and richard marks at one point he was like oh guys it's, it's richard marks blah and handed the mic to richard marks and he was just like oh hey happy birthday it's ringo's birthday and then ringo was like okay that's enough and grabbed the mic back from, oh. <laughs> mic back from richard marks which was hilarious that's, that's also on funny. our lives yeah very funny Eventually, the clock ran down. They brought out a cake for Ringo. We sang happy birthday to Ringo before noon to kind of fill the time. And uh, yeah, noon was peace and love. And Ringo sort of hung out for a little bit after that. And then he peaced out. So after that, they kind of opened up the event. And that's when I got some of his yummy birthday cake. And he had little cookies with the statue printed on them, the peace and love statue. And then a really good selection, and this is why I was surprised, a really good selection of tea sandwiches, including like chicken salad and all this like meat stuff. (laughs) So I was like, that's weird. I thought he was like vegan, but maybe he didn't eat his own birthday spread. It's possible. Maybe not. Maybe not. But the cake was good. It was uh, carrot cake, if anybody's curious. Ooh. 
Very good. I was also pretty excited because I did see a podcast guest. Uh, Ivor Davis was there. Oh, Ivor. Yeah. He lives, I think, in Ventura County, but he came down for Ringo's birthday. I was very excited. So I took a little pic with Ivor and he told me he has a new book coming out. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, basically Tales of Hollywood. He's been working in the industry for, you know, 60 years. So very excited for that. And I told him we'd have him back. So looking forward to having Ivor on the pod. If you guys don't know Ivor, he was a journalist who traveled with the Beatles for years, very familiar with them, has a great book and has so many stories, so many crazy stories. Um, We had him on talking about Charles Manson. And the Beatles connection because he covered that trial. Uh, so check that episode out. We'll link it in our show notes. Great to see Ivor. Great to be there. Finally going to a formal Ringo birthday event at the statue and getting to say hi to him. So that was pretty, it was a pretty good day all in now, all. Did Ringo himself sing? He did not sing. No, he didn't okay. sing anything. So I'm wondering what that beaming into space thing was all about. Maybe they beamed the recordings? That's possible. Yeah. No, because there was nothing... I don't I, I I don't know that anything live was beamed into space from there. I didn't see any equipment that would, you know, I don't even know if there were like video cameras other than the media. Interesting. Must have just been the the songs themselves. I would have thought that if, if that children's choir was there, that maybe he would have done yeah. a live version. But yeah, no, he he didn't. But there were a couple of other singers that kind of got up and did like, I think somebody didn't act naturally. But that was the only Beatles song that was performed, and it wasn't performed by Ringo. So, Well, it's Ringo's birthday, and he'll sing if he wants to. And apparently he did not. I'm excited that our podcast was represented on the Ringo press line. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so hopefully next year I will come. I promise we'll all figure out some questions to ask Ringo if we get the chance. And uh, excited for Ringo's 83rd. I cannot believe he's 82 years old. That's absolutely insane. I know. He looks amazing. He looks um, insanely amazing. I mean, honestly, even for, you know, somebody who primarily lives in L.A., he, he looks incredible. He's living his best life, for sure. He for really sure. is. One last question about this. When they sang yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Birthday, they sang, like, Happy Birthday. They didn't sing, they say it's your birthday. No, wait, no, no. They sang Happy Birthday. And actually, there were some rumblings in the crowd, too. It's like, people are confused. Maybe Paul has to be there to do it. Because that has happened before. Paul sings it live. So if you want to hear birthday, which is a controversial choice on a set list. I think we've discussed that. <laughs> we did. We did discuss that. In our, yeah, the, the full audio of the Glastonbury performance is, is on the BBC and he does do birthday. So there you Thank go. God. Okay. I still have to listen to that. It is on my things to listen to. I hear it's amazing. It's great. It's great. I mean, anybody who's really like, pissed about the state of his voice and then he's still touring i feel like should listen to that because it was a really fun listen i didn't find an issue with it that's the thing i know we talked about this on our paul's live episode so we don't need to go on and on although we could um but yeah like i mean it sounds it sounded kind of the same to me you know as it had been i don't i didn't there was no great deterioration people just need something to be mad about i'm pretty sure yeah yeah that's the internet for you it sure is speaking of the internet and people (laughs) Good segue. Like it? Uh, thank you. Yes. Very good at segues. Um, we are, like Erica said at the top of the show, we are catching up on some emails. And thank you guys so much for reaching out to us. We really enjoyed chatting with some of you guys on email. We've got a couple that we want to spotlight, starting with our friend Michael Manzini in Australia. Hi, Michael. You Hi, are Michael. so cool. He 
is very much like us. He wrote to us sharing his experience of trying to hunt down Beatles music in like the pre-internet days. So relatable. Taping mm-hmm. the music off of the radio. One of my favorite things in your email, Michael, is when you call Driving Rain a masterpiece, <laughs> which I I love Driving Rain. I don't know if I'd go so far as a masterpiece, but... Uh, really? I thought that would be your opinion a of masterpiece? it. A masterpiece? Mm-hmm. I mean... Flaming Pie is a masterpiece, I think. Flowers in the Dirt might be up there, maybe. But like, ah, Driving Rain. There's, I don't love some of the shit on Driving Rain. I mean, I'll apologize for it all day long, but I don't know if I'd go that far. Michael did put a caveat on it, which is obviously freedom. And <laughs> and he, he writes, uh, your episode on freedom and the concert for NYC was the first episode I listened to of yours. Oh, amazing. And what initially compelled me to write. I've always strongly felt that freedom is his worst song. True. Ooh. As a non-American, the sentiment seemed forced, clumsy, cringy, out of character. As you said, it opened the doors for other stadium geared sing-alongs of his. I strongly dislike, like everybody out there. <laughs> Same, Michael. Same. Yeah, I, that one is kind of a waste, too. Um, he says, what was weird to me as a 13-year-old listening to this song was that Paul was such a quintessential British songwriter. And here's this overly Americanized plea for relevance, almost. Damn. Uh, it's the polar opposite to Penny Lane. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. I think it's true. I... I don't know, Erica, and we probably touched on this in our concert for New York episode, but is it, do you think it was forced? I don't know if it was forced. I think that maybe the fact that he was British might have been the reason that it sounded like that in that he grasped some of the big, obvious American concepts that were out there at that time, the stuff that George W. Bush was saying about freedom and unity that kind of got morphed into things about freedom fries or whatever but that it was just such a broad interpretation of american freedom principles that it feels a little off it's too heavy-handed with that stuff yeah totally i mean if we want to get in the weeds with it we could break it down into because he's a british songwriter he says things like you know if anyone wants to take it away they'll have to answer because this is my right. It's like, well, it's not your right because you're British. <laughs> you know, yeah. you could get really like granular with it like that. I wonder if he actually is a dual citizen because he married Linda, who is an American. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's possible he has a U.S. passport as well. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. And Nancy's American. So, OK, it might be like half his right. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> his right given maybe. by God. <laughs> so, Yeah. But yeah, those are those are things like I feel like if I was to parody like over patriotic. Oh yeah, you know it's God and it's country and it's freedom and it's fighting. Yeah, I think he just kind of did all those things. He just said all the words. He hit. He ticked all the boxes for what America is. Absolutely. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Michael. I mean, freedom. uh, Yeah. Like, which one would I? Which one would you rather hear live, though? Freedom or everybody out there? Everybody out there, because I just hate the sentiments behind freedom. And they're just so much worse now. I mean, back then it was 9-11. Today it's white supremacy. I don't want to hear it. That's true. Yeah, no, freedom <laughs> Freedom has outstayed its welcome, I guess. It can go away. 
and it has gone away. But we're just we're just bringing it back so we talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because it's okay. so strange and bad. So Michael, thank you for this this yes. uh, opinion. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for giving us another excuse to talk about freedom. Yes. Uh, we will try to table it after this, but uh, we agree with you. I'm, I can I can probably say that with a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael also shared that he is also a huge Monkees fan like myself and enjoyed our episode with Andrew Sandoval, um, who wrote the book on the Monkees, uh, the Monkees Day by Day. And, and Michael is also a great fan of Michael Nesmith. And um I sort of eulogized Mike a little earlier in the season, passed away in December, still so sad about it. Um, But it's great to know that, you know, we have listeners who are also uh, monkeys peeps and wanted to end with this lovely line, Michael, it like warmed our little hearts. Uh, He said, a lot of the time I listen to your podcast, I feel as if I'm your your Australian male counterpart. Oh, that's so nice. We love 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 that. That's the best thing about this podcast is we met so many people like us, you know, Mm -hmm. um, who can relate to us in our fandom. So that's so lovely. Thank you so much for being a listener and for writing in and hating freedom too. Thank you. (laughs) Loving the monkeys, hating freedom. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Our next letter we want to highlight is from Mariana Levine. She happens to be the sister of Christine Feldman Barrett. She wrote the book, uh, Women's History of the Beatles, which we had an interview with her, I believe, in March of 2021. We'll put that in the show notes, too. It's a scholarly book that is, I think it is groundbreaking. It's a groundbreaking history of women, not specifically in the Beatles' lives, like not Linda or Mimi or any of those folks, but the women in the culture who participated in building up the culture of the Beatles and the fandom that we have today. So Mariana, her sister, uh, wrote in and said she's the reason that Christine got into the Beatles. So thank you, Mariana. <laughs> it's yes. a great book. And big, we're happy about that. Big applause for her for you, big ups to Mariana. But she herself has some really impressive Beatles creds in her own right. She has cataloged Stu Sutcliffe's art for his sister, the late Pauline, and is also a collector of Yoko's work, which we love. She says, I wanted to tell you both how much I enjoy your podcast, as I was desperate to hear some discussion about Get Back from a super fan perspective. So loved the recent podcast. Amazing to hear from women and another generation of women Beatle fans. I thought I was late to it in the 70s. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And I have been lucky to meet and interact with Paul, Ringo, and Yoko. Never thought that would have happened. The Paul and Ringo of Get Back are accurate portrayals of how they actually are IRL. Though Ringo is sober these days. Our last, but uh, certainly not least, email. This is amazing. Okay, And we've been sitting on this for about almost two months. So first of all, this... Lovely chap, Ronnie Danelli, and I hope I'm saying your last name correctly, Ronnie. You are out here doing the fucking Lord's work, okay? <laughs> he sent a lovely email. He sent a string of emails. The first email, he says, I'm a regular regular listener of your podcast. I love it. I love how you are educating people as to the correct pronunciation of Brian's last name. I found it easy to remember the proper pronunciation if you do a little song association. In this case, 
from the Beatles, I Me Mine, into My My Name's Epstein. Oh my God. Okay, a little background <laughs> if you're a newcomer to our podcast, because this is a couple of years ago, but we did a deep dive into how to correctly pronounce Brian Epstein's last name. And yes, it is Epstein. It is not Epstein. That is the one thing that will get you bleeped on our show, is if you say Epstein. And I probably just got mm-hmm. bleeped right there. You did. You did. You just got bleeped. You can say all of the swear words you want, but you say that. Uh-uh. Get nope. creative with the swears. Yes, exactly. Um, so if you say that, uh, you get bleeped. Um, so we did a special episode uh, called How to Really Pronounce Brian Epstein's Last Name. And we'll link it in the show notes. And we collected all the evidence, all the hardcore stuff that will prove it is Epstein, not Epstein. No matter who tells you it's Epstein. I'm getting bleeped right and left now. Uh, mm-hmm. It is not bad. So if you have a hard time remembering it, Ronnie went a step further. He not only wrote a proper parody of I Me Mine lyrically called My My Name's Up Sign, uh, he recorded it for us, which is amazing. It sounds fucking great. Let's have a little bit of a listen. Holy shit. <laughs> that, yeah. I love it. Holy shit. I want to make it my ringtone. That's <laughs> so great. <laughs> it's, got, it's got such good, like, it sounds incredible, and you'll I never know. say it wrong again. <laughs> no, it's so burlesque. I don't, I think it'll probably be the thing, and it gets stuck in my head when I think about Brian now, which is such a big compliment to you, Ronnie, because I think about Brian a lot. Yeah. I think Brian um, himself would, would have loved it. He would have loved it, yeah, because it would have helped, uh, you know, people to remember how to pronounce his name, which, again, the reason we care about it is because Brian cared about it. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to remember Sepstein. Um, so we're going to post Ronnie's lovely ditty uh, on our Instagram and uh, other socials, along with, I mean, honestly, Ronnie, get the keeps on giving here. He also made a 45 picture sleeve for the song with pictures of Brian on it. And it's fantastic. So we're going to post it. Uh, please check that out at BC, the Beatles everywhere. And thank you so much, Ronnie. It just gives me great joy. This whole menagerie of Brian related paraphernalia, your lyrics, your song, your picture sleep. Amazing. And thank you for listening and for just supporting my crazy crusade <laughs> to correct people in the pronunciation of Brian's last name. Yeah, if this podcast was meant to do anything, if we had a, a, an ultimate goal, it, it was this. It was this. And so yes. this is realizing everything that we had set out to do in this particular area. So thank you yes. again. It is very, very precious. And yeah, amazing. So we're going to end our little roundup episode, our little fun hangout chit chat with y'all, uh, as we do all of our episodes uh, with our obsession of the week and Erica. Oh, well, I have one that I found as I was thinking about Peter Jackson and trying to find more information about what his next project is. It's not a surprise, but that he's just such a big Beatles nerd, like even more (laughs) than the person who made an eight hour cut of the Let It Be tapes could possibly be in that. 
it was his idea. Now, everybody, everybody, I think, who either saw Paul live or saw some of the videos kind of got the spoiler that one of the newer things that happened in his show this time around was that he sang I've Got a Feeling, but he sang it with the backup of John singing from the rooftop with Paul's stuff cut out. And so it's like it's a duet between Let It Be Era John and modern day Paul on stage. And it's a lovely effect. And it's really it's just, it was nice. It was such a nice surprise. I think people who were there who weren't spoiled were really touched by seeing Paul up there with John and, and singing together like that. And the interesting part about it was that it wasn't Paul's idea. It was actually Peter Jackson's idea. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and this is why I, I, I love this. And like just one more proof of his just incredible nerdiness in fandom What he said, he said, I I had the idea when I started working on Get Back four years ago, we had access to all the footage and to do something like that, you need the footage. The shots have to be right. I didn't mention it to Paul. I thought suggesting to Paul that he sing on stage with John, he's going to think I'm a fanboy geek idiot. Quote, unquote. You are, though. We all are. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of us. (laughs) Yes. Then he said he still, he went to Paul's Dodger Stadium concert, which was three and a half years ago, just in case he mustered up the courage to ask Paul about it. This is the guy who's bringing Let It Be back to life. And he's so nervous about whether or not like Paul will think this is a good idea. And like he's he's so like he wasn't even sure when he went to the concert if he would like have the guts to say it. So he goes further. He says, when he did, I've got a feeling I sat there with my phone, Jackson said. I held it really still and filmed with the idea that I would take it in the cutting room and do a mock up, a simple CGI proof of concept. Oh, my God. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) Rather than me pitching it to him, I thought it better if I could show it to him how it will look. Then the pandemic hit. He wasn't touring anymore. There was no point in doing a demo. So the next 18 months, I worked on Get Back, and then Paul is rehearsing to go back out on tour. And I just thought, I either have to suggest it to him or I don't. I'd gotten cold feet because I thought, how many harebrained suggestions like this has Paul gotten over the years? I don't want to appear too geeky. Oh, my God. He goes on. Finally, I thought I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life if I don't even suggest it. I sent him a text. I didn't send him the mock-up version, just a text trying to describe to him. Within 10 minutes, he replied to me, yeah, this is a fantastic idea. Let's go do it. There was a frantic rush to restore (laughs) frames that were missing from that long shot of John from Let It Be. But Paul was thrilled by it. All of that nervousness for nothing. Paul's like, yes, let's do it. But... Peter oh my Jackson's God. just I'm, like us. <laughs> I'm gonna need to see screenshots of those texts. I love, I, I love the idea of Peter Jackson like shooting off a text and then sitting there like released, like nervously looking at his phone, like we all do after we've sent like texts that we're stressed about. <laughs> this is like three and a half years of speculation in the making of whether Paul will be interested in this idea. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. So obsessed with this, excited for whatever is to come if this yes. is his approach and this is how he's how he feels about the Beatles. So, you know, maybe 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 we can we can shelve the idea of like holograms or some of the scary Halloweeny stuff. Because if he's this reverent about the Beatles, you know, whatever he does, 
I'm going to revise my opinion and just trust that whatever it is that he does is going to be in the spirit of this like super fandom that he's got. So looking forward to it. We have to believe that he would not want to see scary holograms either. I mean, who does? It's awful. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. No, thank you. No, I don't want to be able to put my full hand through John and George. No, thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) My God. So that's my obsession. And yours kind of goes along with (laughs) what we talked about before with your Ringo experience. This is pretty fun. A lot of Ringo uh, for me this time, which is very strange. But um, I <laughs> I was on TikTok this week and I have a video from the Beatles story, which is the amazing, fantastic, beautiful museum in Liverpool right on the Albert Dock um, that takes you through the whole Beatles history from the cavern and they're growing up to Rishikesh and beyond and the roof and all that. I'm not sure who's doing their TikTok. Uh, but whoever took that over is killing it. So the thing that I was sending to everybody was they did a version of the trend where someone stops somebody else walking down the street and they say, Hey, what are you listening to? We've all seen it across social mm-hmm. media. So the interviewer says to this girl walking in front of the Beatles story, Hey, what are you listening to? And she said, Oh, I love this trend. Um, no more fan mail by Ringo Starr. And it's literally the <laughs> no more fan mail after October 21st or whatever. No more fan mail. And I was <laughs> crying. I loved it. I sent it to everybody. I posted it. But then I was like, well, gosh, they are like killing it over here. Let me look at their other stuff. And so on TikTok, there is this other video where um, it was <laughs> around Ringo's birthday, where the whole crux of it was, oh, looking for our invitation to Ringo Starr's birthday party. And so they go down, check the mail at the Beatles story. And there's an envelope there that says like, no, well, gosh, I should have... Uh, I should have looked this up again before I am talking about it, but it's, I think it's, you know, they take a letter out from Ringo. It says NFI or something, no flipping invite for you or whatever. And it's signed Ringo. And it's like, damn, like they're really roasting him over here. Like (laughs) Pete, Pete Best. Is that you? Is that you behind the TikTok? Is is this your revenge? Did they hire Pete Best (laughs) as a social media director? (laughs) I think they might have. What if that's true? What if Pete is actually secretly super into TikTok? That would be hilarious. It's it's Pete and it's Rogue together. The two of them are like just going exactly. nuts. They have it's like they've pirated the uh, the Beatles story um, TikTok. But yeah, oh so I definitely go over there. They are really killing it with the TikTok game. It made me laugh so hard. It was just very funny. And uh, so I'm kind of obsessed with it. I've been going back into their archives and watching all their TikToks. And yeah, and they, they're they an awesome place. And uh, shout out to the folks that work there that are so great, too. So we love you guys. But they're killing it on TikTok. I love it that they've got such a sense of humor about that. You know, it's easy for museums, especially in Liverpool, to be overly reverent with their material or their social media or their marketing or whatever. So it's nice to see them having, yeah, just like a little bit of fun with it. And it's fun for us, too. It's always a joy to uh, remember the I'm not signing fan mail with peace and love era of Ringo's career. Let's bring it back. That should never be forgotten. That was the gateway to modern Ringo. That set us up for where we are now. I mean, as you mentioned, Erica, in the beginning, it's like that kind of set us up for the peace and love at the birthday. That was kind of like the genesis of it because it happened the same year. Yeah, same year. The peace and love era has never quite gone away. 
definitely yeah. the definition of modern Ringo. Very crazy. Yeah, exactly. We do a, <laughs> a total like modern Ringo spotlight just about the no more fan mail. Yeah, we have our modern McCartney playlist up on Spotify, which is a very long playlist of Paul McCartney. The modern Ringo playlist would just be that YouTube video. Would just be no more fan mail. Yeah, that's all you yeah. need, really. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Well, <laughs> this wraps up another laugh riot. That was a monkey's reference right. for you, Michael. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your letters and thank you so much for listening to BC the Beatles. Uh, as always, follow the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. And please give us a rating review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting photos and more from this episode and beyond. And remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you want your feelings on my least favorite <laughs> Paul McCartney song to be broadcast on the podcast, please, you can always email us. It's bcthebeatles at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye.